All right, Nick Smart, two NFL Conference Championship games coming at you this weekend. Tampa Bay visiting the Green Bay Packers. Buffalo visiting the Kansas City Chiefs. My question for you, my friend, is simple. Uh, which game are you looking most forward to? Oh, without a doubt, um, the AFC game. I don't think there's much to see in the NFC game. I think the Packers are going to have a relatively easy time. I'm surprised that line is only three and a half. I think it should be a little bit bigger. I think Tampa got lucky last week. Um, yeah, no, I'm looking forward mostly to the AFC title game. I think it's going to be great. What's great about both these games is, for the life of me, I can't remember a time where this has ever happened, but the exact combo of these two games all met up in week six. It's uh, pretty unheard of in my books. Yeah, so... In that week six matchup, Buffalo got their shit bent, but I'm not sure how much we count that. It really seemed to be before this team was getting its shit together. Um, so let's get into it, I guess. I agree with you, and, and, and I'd like to do something a little different this week, if you don't mind. I think the best way to approach this, since we've only got two games, and I think this is what we've done in the past as well, is that We'll first look at uh, one offense versus the other defense. Then we'll flip it around uh, the other offense versus the other defense um, and do the same for the next game. So we'll start with Tampa Bay at Green Bay. Um, and we're going to start with Green Bay on offense here. So I sent you a message about midway through the afternoon on Saturday that said, if this Rams defense can't slow them down, I'm not sure anyone can. I don't think that opinion has changed at all. Um, there's lots of talk happening about this Tampa Bay defense right now. I do not see it. Um, I get that they had some picks and they were able to do some things to Drew Brees, but that's a guy who, you know, everybody's favorite stat coming out of that game was that there was one pass completion for more than 16 yards, and that was thrown by Jameis Winston. Mm. So, what a pass that was. That was fun to watch. It was a good ball. It was a good ball for sure. And against his former team, right? I mean, his first postseason play was great. Yeah. Um, they were able to do things, though, on the defensive side where they could basically drop those two safeties down and muddle up those first 15 yards. Um, and Tampa did do something on defense that I think more teams should do, and I, I expect all teams at this point of the year are actually going to be doing uh, – you challenge the officials to throw a flag on every play because they won't right. At some point, the officials just can't throw a flag on every goddamn play. So you saw they were in bump and run coverage and they were bumping well beyond five yards. There was contact before the ball got there almost every time. But if you're just going to keep challenging players to be physical and making the refs come to your defense, the refs aren't going to do it forever. And, and we kind of saw that here on the Green Bay offensive side. I thought they did a pretty good job of giving Rogers protection against a very strong front four. We have to give consideration to the fact that, the new the New York Giants um, that the Los Angeles Rams, you know, Aaron Donald was in that game, but Aaron Donald was not in that game. If you know what I'm saying? Like, uh, I mean, 
the look on his face after the game, the tears that were shed told the whole story there. Yeah. And it's at some point you actually maybe do more harm than good trying to gut it out. Um, with that said, Green Bay's not like idiotic. They doubled him even if he was in there at 80%, right? They were still doubling him on every play. And, and at 85% and a double team, he he wasn't able to break through there. Uh, I think it's safe to say Ramsey lost his war with Devontae Adams. Uh, you and I mm-hmm. suggested that how that went, the game would go. Uh, safe to say that, yeah, Ramsey's correct. Somebody should have switched off on that touchdown that he gave yeah. up there. But he was he was quite animated. Yeah, but like at the same time, that's a foot race play, right? And you lost the foot race, Jalen. Congratulations. Yeah. That was brilliant motion by uh, Lafleur's offense there. I don't know if it was Rogers doing that at the line of scrimmage, but the way they got Adams open just by the double motion there, that was really smart. Yeah. So in my view, just on account of the Tampa Bay defense having to cover 70 yards, 80 yards of the field now, this is not going to be a thing where they can drop those safety downs, safeties down. They are going to have to cover every inch of territory the whole time. Uh, and we saw what kind of blown coverages on deep balls you saw on that deep play. Uh, I, If Green Bay scores 40, I won't be surprised. What are you thinking here? Yeah, I won't be surprised either. I, I think Green Bay is going to score a lot. And again, I, I just don't see this game being overly competitive. Uh, now there's a lot of former current Patriot fans that are rooting for Brady and they, they go around proudly calling Tampa their quote unquote second team. Now I'm seeing a lot of that in my personal life. Uh, I hate to burst their bubble, but you don't uh, need to call Ryan out like that. No, Ryan's been a, <laughs> no, that's not, no, Ryan actually has been a lifelong Ryan's Buccaneers been there fan. the whole time. I yeah, yeah. The Bucks have been his number one team my whole life. Um, and yeah, no, I just find there's a lot of Patriots fans around now who seem to be box fans. Um, and, you know, they love Tom. Fine. They love Tom. No, yeah, which is fine. Like, I'm not yeah. the guy that's, you know, the old man telling people to get off my lawn. Root for whoever you want to root for. Do whatever makes you happy. Live and let live. I'm all for it. Just, I mean, you know, don't try to don't try to sell me that you've been a box fan before this year because I'm not buying it. Um, oh, yeah, they were always my NFC team. I was a big Jameis yeah. guy. Yeah, sure. yeah, exactly. Yeah, 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 yeah. exactly. Uh, look, like I, I got to give hats off to Brady. I mean, yet another conference championship Sunday that he's going to be playing in, right? I mean, that's all the guy does. Um, so hats off to him for that. I didn't think he was going to get Tampa this far his first year. I think getting Tampa to the final four his first year is nothing to sneeze at. I think it's a great accomplishment. And I think it's going to be have to have to be viewed that way because come Sunday, the Packers are going to dismantle the Tampa Bay Bucks. Now Tampa Bay looking like they're going to get uh, Vita Vey back, which would be huge, huge upgrade to that D line, even though uh, Nunez Roaches has played uh, great in his stead. That's still a plus. Um, Still conflicting reports on Antonio Brown. If his knee is going to be good to go, we have to see if he practices tomorrow. But injuries aside, I don't think it's going to be enough to move the needle. I think the Packers win here. I think they cover that three and a half relatively easy. Okay, so let's flip to the other side of the ball then. Um, if I'm Bucks fans, I am scared shitless because everything we said about Drew Brees underperforming is basically true of Tom Brady. He just didn't throw the interceptions and managed to get short fields, what, three times? Uh, yeah. 
that well, co- that comeback that doesn't happen without the picks. Like those picks don't go, mm. you know, like that was the difference in the game. I mean, every yeah. time New Orleans turned the ball over, Tampa Bay scored. Yeah, that was that was all there was to it. But the times they didn't, that Tampa Bay offense did not move the ball. Nope. Yeah. No, they didn't. I will say the thing that uh, could throw all of this completely out of whack is if um, the weather, right? Like we're we're it's it could be minus ten snowstorm. If you get wind, that takes away the deep ball from both guys, and then it's a bit more of an even matchup, I'd say. Yeah, I mean, anybody that wants to say there's no home field advantage this year in the NFL, um, there's definitely going to be home field advantage on the frozen tundra this Sunday in Wisconsin. Uh, I mean, I would like the Packers if this game was in Florida. I certainly love it with them at home. Um, One final note on the Tampa Bay offense. uh, Ronald Jones pulled up lame late in the game last week with a quad issue. Sounds like he's feeling better than he did last week, but that's still something to monitor. Yeah. I it's interesting, right? Because people are gonna point to Brady and and they're gonna say, Well, Brady played in New England for all those years, so he has some experience in this in the snow and all that. And and all of that's true. Uh and because more than one thing can be true, you've also got basically everybody else on that offense who does has not shown the the same uh, joy for for playing in the snow. You've got Fournette who came from Jacksonville. You've Via got Louisiana, e- yeah, yeah. You've got Evans and uh, uh, Godwin who have yep. haven't played anywhere else, right? So Evans, Texas A and M, Godwin, Penn State, I guess. Ronald Jones, USC. So yeah, a lot of uh, a lot of uh, warm state guys for sure. One one quick note on Mike Evans, like this whole. One you know, one pass for one TD for one yard things cute and all, but they're gonna need they're gonna need to use him a little more this week. Uh, Lattimore um, had great coverage on that deep ball. That was picture perfect. I don't know if you remember that, but they ran play action in the first quarter there, and Brady threw a perfect ball to Evans that would have been a touchdown if Lattimore didn't pull some Superman shit. When Lattimore is completely healthy, he's a top three corner in the league. You can put him right up there with Trey White, Gilmore, you name it, Xavier Howard. I I think I I think when Lattimore is healthy, he's a top one corner in the league. Yeah. I don't think there's anyone as good as Lattimore when he's healthy. Now the the other thing I'd say about that though is the corner thing has for some time now been a bit of a rotation. Like no one seems to be able to hold the crown particularly long. Um who was it we were saying? Well, obviously there was Revis Island. Um, then we had Josh Norman for a few years there. Yeah. Uh, we, we've talked about Lattimore before. We've talked about Gilmore before. White's kind of in the conversation. Hayden was in the conversation at one time. Yeah. Um, Ramsey, of course, wants to wants to be in the conversation. Yeah. So, like, it's, it's interesting. It used to be that there were guys. Um, God, who was that guy in Denver? Champ Bailey. That's right. Like Bailey was the dude, right? It was like, no, no, Champ Bailey's the best corner in the league, and then there's everyone else, right? Um, one of the first big blockbuster trades, um, maybe not one of the first, but one of the ones that I can remember from my early years of watching ball was when uh, the then Redskins shipped Champ Bailey to Denver for Clinton Portis and the rest yeah. is history. Yeah. 
Well, and and how old school? Like, I can't even imagine thinking. Um, <laughs> I just think of analytics guys now. Like analytics guys yeah, now imagine? will tell you running backs don't matter, and the most important thing on your defense is coverage. Yeah, can you imagine <laughs> trading the number one cover corner in the league, generational player, Hall of Fame player for a running back? Yeah, Clint Bors- Clint Bors- is very good. He's very good. Back, He's but, very you know, good. Yeah. Still a running back. Absolutely. All right. So I think we're in agreement here. It's, it's interesting because on the green Bay defense, I think their front four can actually cause Tom some headaches and and that's really going to be a big part of this. Outside of Wisconsin, outside of diehard Packers fans, you're not going to find a bigger cheerleader for that defense. than I've been, I've been talking about Jair Alexander, Kevin King so much. It makes me blue in the face. I love what they got on the edge. I like that they're getting Rashawn Gary going. Uh, when the D-line's healthy, Kenny Clark's the, the richest paid defensive tackle in the sport, which is kind of hard to believe. Um, and just thinking out loud here, the Packers better be careful, man. They made Bakhtiari the richest left tackle in the league. So far, that's not looking so hot. They got to be careful throwing this money around. And it's weird that I bring this up on the day that we find out uh, former GM Ted Thompson passed away. Yeah. Uh, he, of course, was famous for never spending a penny during free agency and building completely through the draft. It's been very different since he's left Green Bay. Yeah, that's too bad for him. And listen, he built some Only great 68, teams. Man. I know he was in declining health before as well. Like, I don't think this is a strictly COVID thing or anything like that, no, but so. he's it's been some time for him. But um, he, he assumed that also has something to do with being in a constant state of working 15 hour days, sleeping at the office, all that stuff that comes with the NFL. Deserves to be mentioned though, because the guy that he, I believe it was his first draft pick on the job is pretty much about to win MVP and Aaron Rodgers. Yep. Absolutely. And, and a controversial, pardon me, controversial pick at the time, because they still had Brett Favre and caused its own issues, you know? Before we saw Brady Quinn have the uh, free fall in the drama, it was Aaron Rodgers who had it. Yeah. I mean, you know, like a lot of people had him going number one, and we've talked about that on this show, uh, why Mike Nolan went with Alex Smith instead. But, yeah, it, it was just a free fall that day. And they've since changed the way they operate with the green room now. Um, if a quarterback starts free falling like that, they actually remove him. Yeah. to save him from the embarrassment that Rodgers went through that day. Yeah, I don't know how much of that is an NFL thing as much as the agent saying, all right, let's get moving here, boys, you know? Yep. Um, anything else on this Tampa Bay-Green Bay game? I don't. I, I honestly don't find this game that interesting. I think, no, I, think if there's, I think if there's weather, it gets real interesting because football and weather is always interesting. But, you know, in anything that resembles workable conditions... Um, Green Bay's got to spank them here, I think. Yeah. The bad news for Tampa is their strongest point, wide receiver, their deepest position, wide receiver. The Packers have the corners to match up with them. A lot of teams don't. The Packers do. The Packers can put Kevin King on Mike Evans, big guy on big guy, and they can put Jair Alexander on whoever the fuck they want. Because we were just talking top corners. I didn't even mention Jair Alexander. If you look at pro football Focus's ratings for the past three years, I'm pretty sure he's top three every single year. Might be the best player that isn't a household name. Um, 
last thing on Tampa Bay, just because I mentioned it last week, but I never was able to spit it out. Uh, if you lost to the same team twice during the year and then play them again in the playoffs, mm. teams are 14 and four in that position. So that's, I, I mean, I'm going to keep that. I hope my brain can retain that into the future years because uh, it seems every yeah. time it comes up, everybody yeah. thinks the other way is a lock and it's, yeah. there's just something about football, man. No, you play a team be, for the third time. Seems to be something there for sure. Yeah. All right. Buffalo, uh, Kansas just, city. Oh, go ahead. sorry. One last note, Devin white uh, deserves to be mentioned. Um, he's looking like an all pro, all pro, all pro out there. He's playing so well. So the Packers better make sure they get a guard to the next level and get some hands on him because, uh, if he's running free, there's going to be problems. Okay, Buffalo at Kansas City. This game is a fucking banger. Now, I've got to I've got to be honest with you here. Um, there's a part of me that says Kansas City is in this position because the Browns are the Browns. That Patrick Mahomes got knocked out of this game in the third quarter. And somehow the Cleveland Browns could not find a way to do enough to win that football game, including allowing a fourth quarter drive from Chad Henney, who has, I think, a three and 13 record as a starting quarterback. On the other hand, good teams win. And Kansas City found a way to win, including pulling the Warren Sharp special of it's a situation where for sure we're just going to try to draw you offside. Nobody's taking anything seriously. You can almost see the defense not really being in their stance. And oh, never mind. We snapped the ball. Here's a free first down to win the game. With like eight seconds left on the play clock, too, I think, which is an underrated part of that strategy, right? All their body language is like, all right, we're not going for it. And when when the defense thinks they're going to have to sit there for another eight seconds still and no one's really paying attention, just really like top-notch shit. Not to mention those defensive linemen are doing everything they can to repeat the mantra in their head, do not move, do not exactly. move, do not exactly. move. That's what they're, they're if, if somebody's focused most on not move, moving, that's the time to go get a yard. Yeah, that's when you get the jump on them. It's a wonder we don't see more of that because – Really, let's face it, like the whole trying to draw them offside very rarely ever works anymore. And also, too, there's another thing that I'm surprised we don't see more fake snap, uh, fake spikes. Like the whole, I mean, everybody knows what Marino did with the fake spike against the Jets. I'm surprised we don't see more fake spikes. I'm really, really surprised we don't. Yeah. Um, Buffalo and Kansas City, both of those games last week have one thing in common, and I'm, I'm going to risk getting myself canceled here, but the last two MVPs in the league are the quarterbacks of the Baltimore Ravens and the Kansas City Chiefs, and the last two MVPs of the league were removed from their football games in the third quarter due to the concussion protocol. Now, in one instance, in the Kansas City game, the quarterback had done enough in some ways to ensure that his team was in a winning position. 
in the other game, it was still competitive within reason. Um, and that team really didn't have a hope once, once Jackson was out of the game. Are we sure that we want the concussion protocol in football? I, I, I mean, that question seems to be like a non-starter because it, it doesn't matter if we want extra mayonnaise on our burger. I mean, it's here to stay. It's not going anywhere. It's not here because we like it. It's here because it, it was determined that once guys, once, geez, five, six guys were shooting themselves in the heart so that their brain could be studied, um, that led to some changes, and rightfully so. Uh, the Junior Seo thing was a, a real tipping point. I mean, when guys like Dave Dewerson and whatnot, I hate to say we're doing it, it didn't really catch uh, everybody's attention. But when Junior Seo did it, um, that really changed some things. Quick note on the Patrick Mahomes thing. Uh, I was debating some people in my IDP league this uh, week that said, oh, well, still up in the air if he's going to play. I don't think he was even concussed. I, I think uh, I think Jay Glazer got it right. I think he was uh, lost some oxygen to his brain. I think he got kind of like choked out. And of course, in the UFC, when we do see guys get fully choked, choked out and lose consciousness, usually within the hour, they're completely fine and completely normal. So I think Mahomes was fine within a couple hours. Do we know if he's still in the protocol? I think he still has some final. He it sounds like he jumped through some major hoops yesterday. Yeah, I don't think he's fully removed from it yet. But it's like I don't what think I there's just, a way to get removed from oh, it by Thursday, it. though. Yeah. yeah, we're dealing with political correctness now, not so much how he's feeling. And it's the same thing for what you just asked me about the concussion protocol. Like that's PC related. That's you know I hate to say it, SJW almost related, and it's not going anywhere. I know it's not, but like, should it? Cause I hate, I, I'll tell you, I hated it. I, I fucking think... hated it. That like the two arguably best players in the league didn't finish the game when yeah. 20 years ago, yeah. we'd see that guy running back out there and maybe he shaved off five years of his life at the end. Like, let's be real honest about that too. Let's yeah. not pretend like concussions ain't a thing. And that doesn't matter. No, by running back out there, you might shave five years off the end of your life, but you also might win a fucking super bowl. Which so would make the preceding 35 years all the more well, quality, right? And, yeah. And, and, and there's lots of guys who would make that trade, yeah. you know? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I know Marino probably would. The thing is, the optics of the Mahomes thing, like when he first stood up and it was pretty evident. No, that, that, it looked real bad. Yeah, like with the optics, it didn't matter if he... Yeah. It didn't matter if the real injury was a sprained ankle. With those optics, there was just... And the amount of eyeballs too. Like if it was one thing, if this was just one of, you know, a normal Sunday slate of games, but the whole world was watching. And with those optics, I mean, it, it was it was out of their hands. Uh, one thing I do want to say, though, is I think it's important that there's a third party in the stands to kind of say, okay, maybe we should pull that guy out. Because, you know, like you said, like if it's left up to players to self-report, they're not going to do it. Most of them are going to go out on their shield. And yeah. we all know where that gets us. So I think it's important that there's a spotter up in the stands, no matter the sport. So I, I agree with you that if, you know, if you're going to be doing it, you gotta, if you say you're going to make the rule, then you got to have somebody enforcing it. I understand that part. 
how's how's this you might have led me to like my maybe my uh worst or most controversial opinion around all of this i don't think lamar jackson was concussed i i watched a couple replays of that hit i have a hard time figuring out how it concussed him but here's what i do know Man, he the just the conspiracies he, never stop with this guy i'm telling you he's got he just threw a pick six, uh, like 14-point swing pick six, right? Now it was third down, so maybe it's a 10-point swing because maybe they were only going to get three points. But regardless, he threw he just threw a pick six and just threw up an intentional grounding to give his team third and 28 on the one. And so he basically knows at this point that he's down two touchdowns about to punt the ball to the other team where they'll get it on their 50. And suddenly he's not able to make it back into the game. So you're saying one of three things you're saying either John Harbaugh legitimately thought Tyler Huntley gave them the best chance to win the game. I'm not saying that. I didn't think you were. The other two would be that Lamar Packed it in, waved the white flag. That is the other exactly one, what I'm saying. And the other one would be John Harbaugh waved the white flag. So I don't know which one's worse. I guess it would be Lamar waving the white flag. I I would think it is number two. I guess it could be number three. We, I, I, In fact, we need to consider that too. Because I don't know. If, if your quarterback has scored three points, you're, you're getting down to the end of the third quarter and your quarterback has only put three points on the board. You're about to be down 17. Do you make a quarterback change? I honestly no. hadn't considered the Harbaugh thing. I don't. I don't, if it, if it's, I don't like Jackson's if you're the, the Bears, only guy. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. If you, exactly. If you're the Bears and it's Trubisky out there, yeah, but not like you said with a guy who, before Mahomes, just won you an MVP. I mean, it's ludicrous. So I, I wonder. I just, I wonder if he quit. I really do. Um, I don't think I don't think so at all, and I'll tell you why. The reason I don't think so at all is because all that I heard coming out of Lamar Jackson's mouth the week before was that until I win a playoff game, that's all people are going to talk about. I've never seen a guy want to win a playoff game. For yeah, but, the, but then he did. But then, yeah, then he well, did. He won the Tennessee game. I know. I'm not saying he was complacent after that. I'm saying he won. He was just as hungry to win another one. I don't think he quit at all. I, I, I'm not buying that. Yeah. All right. Buffalo at Kansas City. Buffalo was win- Part of that point is that Buffalo was winning that game. Anyone who's like, oh, Lamar Jackson got injured. No, Lamar Jackson got injured when that game was about to be a three-score game. Hmm. Buffalo won that fucking football game. Yeah. Um, and their They're- defense looks pretty good, I thought. I hate to uh, be Debbie Downer here, but really there haven't been that many competitive playoff games so far. Uh, I, the the Tampa Bay one was kind of entertaining mm-hmm. for a bit. Um, it, it was interesting because I remember you telling me last week that you thought the first six games weren't great. And then I was like, mm-hmm. yeah, they really weren't. And I was kind of looking at it last week and I'm like, these games aren't great either. Like, no, they weren't. And uh, I, I don't expect... Uh, like I said, I don't expect the NFC title game to be that great. So, yeah. I mean, <laughs> what if Casey just goes out there and wants the Bills? Uh, I'll tell you, the league office is going to be crying in their beer. 
so this this brings me to my next question about Kansas City. Would you like to guess? You you, you might know this stat already. Mm-hmm. Would you like to guess Kansas City's record against the spread over their last nine games? It's not good. It's not good. Maybe one, but it I is. wouldn't be surprised if it's zero. It is o eight and one. Zero wins, eight losses, one push. And that push, depending on when you got the number, actually could have been a win or loss. If you got the closing number, it would have been a win. But um, so I think this is a really interesting game because it tests what we perceive about point spreads and value and the way that that works in the NFL, right? part of the reason that they have not covered any of these spreads and the, what I have chalked it up for two for weeks now is that Kansas city is playing with their food, that they know they're better than all these teams and they're just kind of toying with things. They get up a big lead and then they're def- the W. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I, I, I get that. And I've been saying that here, here's an alternative point of view. I'm not sure it's mine, but I think it's worth considering. Kansas City got lucky to win last year's Super Bowl in a few ways, right? They were down three scores, made a huge comeback. But even then, if Jimmy G connects with uh, Emmanuel Sanders there, who is more or less wide open, that's they, they still don't win that game. But they did. Okay, so let's they, they got lucky or good, however you want to put that, fine. Over the course of this year, they went 15 and one. And that's not a small, that ain't no small thing. But they also never blew anybody out, right? They've 0-8 and 1 against the spread their last uh, several games. They haven't been covering. They don't win by a lot. And so a common theme throughout this is that it seems like the Kansas City defense will constantly let teams score or get back in the game. So what happens when they face a level of competition high enough that pushes back against that? that what if their results actually indicate that they've only been slightly good and not great. And that's actually their level of play instead of what we assume is their level of play, but we haven't seen. What do you think about that? I, I don't know. I think we're reading a little too into it. I I think Andy Reid's happy to get these W's and he's happy to not risk the, you know, the health of some of his main troops to get it. I I think that was the game plan this year. It was just score the bare minimum enough points. And just like when you see a a road NBA team hit a buzzer beater, just run out of the building, get out of there, uh, save mileage, save bullets, save hits save carnage and they, w's fly forever and and they don't show anything either is yeah. is the part that gets left out of that right yeah, is that yeah, they oh. get these huge yeah. leads and then they just run up the ball up the middle a bunch of time or run in yeah. like they're yeah. not it makes you wonder what andy reed's got on emergency basis for close ball games because yeah. we haven't seen them play in a ton of close ball games i, I i'm not concerned about the chiefs uh, I, I can buy into the fact that, yeah, you're right. The 49ers did lose that Super Bowl more than the, the Chiefs won it. Very similar to how the Falcons lost it um, instead of the Patriots winning it, I thought. Um, yeah, no, I 
I'm not too worried about the Chiefs. Uh, I think they're going to be just fine. I, I think they win this game. I, I'm not – I don't think it's going to be as lopsided as it was in week six because, like you said, the Bills are, are a much better football team than they were then. But um, I, I think Kansas City still wins the game. Uh, a little – betting action that I have stolen from our friends over at the RJ Bell dream preview. Uh, If you look at Buffalo and Kansas city stats throughout the year, they average roughly six penalties each uh, per game. If you take Buffalo's last four games, they have cut that down to three penalties per game. Whereas Kansas city is maintaining their six. So if you want to try to find an actionable place to get at this, uh, you can take a look at first penalty of the game. Obviously, if one team is twice as likely as the other team to get a penalty, then that means they are, you know, more likely that that gives you some favorable odds. Yeah. I saw it at minus 120 each side. So mm-hmm. if you can get Kansas City minus 120 to be first penalty of the game, uh, I think there's a lot of value there. Yeah, for sure. Is there a world where Buffalo wins this game and you're surprised? Like, I, I think mean, if it's, if it's a blowout, we're shocked, right? If yeah. they win by 40. Yeah. I mean, I'll be surprised if they win just because I think that highly of, of Kansas City and Mahomes in general. Um, but, I, I mean, I'm not going to – with how the Bills have been playing, you know, I, I mean, especially the past couple of weeks, how Josh Allen's been looking, um, I'm not going to be surprised. Uh, it's definitely possible. I don't think it's going to happen. And my gut tells me um, that the Chiefs are going to need a couple of their big-name defenders to make some plays. They're going to need impact plays, impact snaps out of Chris Jones and Frank Clark up front. But I think it's going to be the Honey Badger, Tyron Matthew, that's going to make at least one game-breaking play. I'm not saying he's going to get a pick six or anything or a fumble six, but I think he's going to get either a pick or a forced fumble or, or some kind of big sack in a big moment. Um, big players make big plays in big games, and the Honey Badger is one of them. Right? I don't know if we've ever talked about this, but PFF hates the Honey Badger. He, if when they show his rankings on, uh, when, when they do that, like the NBC thing where they're showing the lineups at the beginning or whatever, I'm always shocked when Matthew comes up there because it, it'll be like, uh, ranked number 58 out of 62 safeties or something like yeah. that. And I'm like, oh, okay, I guess. He's hard to rate because ever since he came into the league with Arizona, and I forget if it was one or two years he played in Houston, uh, he lines up everywhere. He lines up in the slot. You know, sometimes he lines up as a boundary corner. He's not always lined up as safety. So, to rank him against, you know, more stay-at-home traditional safeties, I'm not sure is always fair. And I think it's tough with a guy like him too, because so much of his game is instinct. Yeah, you know, like yeah. he's not at the Palomalu level, but like you wonder how these PFF guys would have rated a guy like Palomalu back in the day, mm-hmm. uh, because it's a similar thing. It's like what, like, what, wait, why is Palomalu over there? What the hell's going on here? <laughs> right? Why is why is Palomalu wind, lined up over a slot guy? Okay, Palomalu's yeah. over the center now. Okay, great, cool, whatever. Yeah. Um, Reminds me of that Pat McAfee story. Um, I love that story so much. (laughs) I only saw that recently, and uh, that's a really cool story. Yeah, yeah. If you if you haven't seen it, just Google Pat McAfee Troy Polamalu. It'll be the first thing that comes up. My favorite part is how he plays off Chuck Pagano to have been like pretty much clueless to the whole thing until like he came over and explained it to him. Yeah. 
Which I think is probably true. I don't think coaches are like, no. like super into what's happening on special yeah, teams, yeah, you know? Yeah, true. Uh, all right. Got a lot of stuff around the NFL. Anything else you want to talk about on this game before we move into the off field things? Uh, this game in particular, I mean, Stefan Diggs one side, Tyree Kill the other side. Um, you know, outside of Devonnie Adams, could there be two hotter, you know, more dominant current receivers facing off against each other? Uh, definitely a premier matchup there. Curious to see what the Chief, uh, the Bills are going to do on defense from a corner perspective. Are they just going to have Trey White, Shadow, Hill all over the field? Uh, and then are they going to go committee with the rest of them? Uh, I'm eager to see what happens. What are they going to do with Kelsey? Are they going to have uh, Predator, Shadow him around? Uh, Tremaine Edwards, of course, I'm talking about. Uh, so, yeah, I, I'm eager to see what the Bills do on defense. Um, but, yeah, I mean, the more I think about this game, the Kansas City just has so many weapons. I mean, pick your poison, right? You're going to double Hill, and then it's going to be Kelsey beating you. Vice versa, it's going to be Hill beating you. You double both, and what? I mean, geez, you know, it's going to be Nicole Hartman or somebody, right? Uh, it's an embarrassment of riches when it comes to weapons for Mahomes. The Philadelphia Eagles are hiring the Indianapolis Colts offensive coordinator, uh, Nick Sirianni. I'm not sure if I'm saying his name correctly or not. Um, I am curious about the hire and also not at all shocked. Um you know, this ESPN story says the Eagles coaching search was done with Carson Wentz in particular in mind. You fucking think, bud. Um, so they have given Carson Wentz a boatload of money. It is clear that Peterson did not think that was the road to go down and they were going to go find someone who uh, worked well with him. Now, Reich obviously did back in the day. Um, an opening so. now, of course, in Indy with Philip Rivers retirement. Yeah. And I do want to get to Rivers later. Yeah, we'll definitely talk about Rivers. Um, you know, Sirianni was was Reich's dude, but somehow just not in Philly. Uh, I don't know that that means he's going to be able to come in. The question for Philly is, if Wentz has another down year, are you going to friggin' do it again? Like, is this your plan? Are you going to keep rolling Wentz out there just because you owe him so much guaranteed money? Um that seems absolutely insane to me, but also no, it, entirely possible. If they do it this year and it doesn't work out, that would be that. The only reason they're doing it again this year is because there is yet to be a contract of this magnitude that has been ripped up this quickly in. Um, for them to have any chance of possibly moving on from him, it would be uh, a, a historical amount of dead money against the cap. Um and people balked at at uh, Kirk Cousins and his deal and the amount of dead money that would have been there. Well, uh, the Wentz dead money would make that look like a drop a, a drop of water in the ocean. So yeah, um, the Eagles don't have a choice. They have a choice who to play, but they don't have a choice when it comes to moving on from Wentz. I, I feel like they really have to, for lack of a better term, go down with the ship and see what uh, see if he can somewhat rebound this year. 
you know what my prediction will be is that he'll play well, but then he'll get hurt. Right. And well, so it would, kind of, yeah. Yeah, exactly. it would kind of be like the Super Bowl year where he was an MVP candidate till he got hurt. And then, you know, Foles the rest of his history. I think that's what's going to happen. I think that's going to be the most frustrating thing is they're going to see him play good and be like, okay, he is our guy, but then he's going to get hurt and miss a ton of games. And at the end of the year, they're going to be like, oh my God, like what the hell do we do now? Meanwhile, poor Jalen Hurts, right? I mean, all he did was come in and produce. Anywhere else, he'd be the unquestioned starter pretty much at this point. Um, so you almost have to wonder if maybe a team makes them a godfather offer they can't refuse for Hertz, maybe around the draft. Yeah. Assume, assuming that they're going to go down with the ship with Wentz, right? Yeah. There's so many quarterbacks in this draft. I, I, I don't think so. And, and listen, we could be in a year where you and I are talking, a year, pardon me, in a position a year from now. And Jared Goff and Carson Wentz are both available. You know, yep. I, th- I think the one both of those picks. teams, yeah, I think both of those teams want to um, get some money off those contracts, get some of that guaranteed money out of the way, uh, or some of the dead money specifically, and then and then move on from them. Speaking of moving on, Deshaun Watson uh, pictured this week in New York wearing a baseball cap, the same color as the New York Jets mm-hmm. in a New York taxi. What was it a, like a green Yankees alternate or was he wearing an Oakland A's hat? You could only see it from the side. Okay. It was, so the, it was probably one of those Yankees off color ones. Yeah. The bill was green and the, the top part of the hat was just a white. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I just have a couple thoughts about this from, from when we talked last week. Mm-hmm. And, and the first one, is a little outside the box. So bear with me for a second. Mm. Why has no one talked about Jacksonville trading for him? Is it just because everybody knows Urban Meyer wants Trevor Lawrence? And so, you know, people are like, okay, fine. Or is the belief that Houston is going to want a quarterback in return as well? And so, if you're making a trade for Watson, you need to give us your first along with whatever project you have, be it Sam Darnold, uh, be it Tua Tug of Viola. Um, if I'm Jacksonville, I'm like, shit, we'll take him. I would rather the known product of Deshaun Watson, one of the five best quarterbacks in the league right now, over who might be a very good quarterback. What do you think there? I'm flabbergasted to hear this. First, you saying Deshaun Watson, or first you calling Deshaun Watson a top five quarterback, that is enough to make me fall out of my seat. And then you get to the fact that, oh, well, A, maybe Trevor Lawrence might not work out, and B, Jacksonville should trade him. No, that that's a bad, I'm a Watson guy, and that's a bad move. No, no, that's that's interesting to me. Talk me through it. I, I wouldn't do that for a second. I mean, anybody in their right mind who would trade the rights to Trevor Lawrence needs to have their head examined. I mean, so since, Watson, Watson for Lawrence Manning, straight up right now. You say no. Watson for Lawrence straight up. Yeah. Oh, not even. I mean, that's not even. Okay. That's not even a conversation starter. I mean, that's a no go right from day one. Okay. Um. 
Yeah, I mean, not since Peyton Manning has there been a more consensus stud prospect of a quarterback. And honestly, I, th- I think scouts are, you know, you take the Manning bloodline, Archie Manning thing aside, if Trevor Lawrence had a dad who played in this league, I'd argue that scouts think highly, more highly of Lawrence than they did of Peyton. Yeah, not a great um, last professional game, but no, I mean, you know, you know that's college ball, right? How it I goes, mean, yeah. He already won a national title. He's he did everything he had to do at Clemson. Hey, here's the thing: people forget Peyton sucked his first year. Yeah, well, I mean, yeah, the Colts Payton, were a mess. I mean, Peyton set the rookie record for interceptions. Quote. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Playoffs, playoffs, playoffs. I just want to win a game. <laughs> playoffs. Um, yeah, I mean, just a, a moment that will live on forever. Um, and of course, thanks to Coors Light for that one. Uh, but yeah, um, Lawrence, no, you, you don't trade Lawrence. You don't trade the rights to Lawrence. You don't trade Lawrence. Um, if Lawrence doesn't work out, that's one of those ones that you're completely comfortable with. Like that sounds weird to say, but if Lawrence does end up being a bust, that's just, that's one where it's just the price of doing business. You did everything you could as a GM. You did all everything, all the right things by drafting him. And if he busts, then that's just the way the cookie crumbles. Now, if you take a guy like Jamarcus Russell and he busts, then you can kind of look back and say, hmm, maybe we should have done this or those red flags. But with Lawrence, if he doesn't work out, that's just the way she goes. There's nothing you can do about it. And all you can say is, oh, we tried. So as a Jets fan, and as a Deshaun Watson fan, how do you feel about the prospect of him trying to force his way over there? I mean, I'll believe it when I see it meets. It's almost surreal to hear a premier quarterback saying the words, I'm going to force myself to New Jersey to play for the Jets. So a lot of it, I don't believe. And the stuff that I do believe, I don't think is going to come to fruition. Now, I know Richard Sherman came out today, and he's obviously very close with Robert Saleh. I still don't know if it's Salah or Saleh. I thought it was Salah. Yeah, Yeah. I think it's Salah. Anyway, um, so, I mean, Richard Sherman came out and and said that, you know, he thinks Deshaun should go to New York and play for Salah. You know, obvious biasness aside there. I don't know, man. I'm not interested in trading four to five first round picks for a quarterback, no matter what his name is really at that point, at this point. So I, I, if it happens, I'll be very surprised. Let's put it that way. I don't see it happening. It'd be cool if it happens. We'll cross that bridge when it happens. I'm always going to have, you know, what ifs about Darnold. Uh, Like I keep saying, I firmly believe Darnold will be a late bloomer at his next place. I don't know if it will be to the level of Ryan Tannehill in Tennessee, but I certainly do expect him to play better when he's not playing behind a, a terrible Jets O-line, etc. Darnold, two ones, two twos. That probably uh, gets it done. Yeah, I, yeah, it does get it done, but even that price tag, I don't know, man. Yeah. Like, you know, at the end of the day, as soon as Hopkins was out of that Texans offense, Deshaun had some problems this year. Yeah. Yeah. Like that's, that's when I kept saying, when I kept saying, it doesn't matter what he has out there for weapons. He's a winner. He's a winner. All this stuff. 
Well, it turns out he kind of did need Hopkins around. And we all know there's not a Hopkins in New York. Yeah. So, I mean, trading for Deshaun's all well and good. I'm not saying he's an old quarterback, but he's not exactly a rookie anymore. So by the time you're even close to contention, he's already on the back end of his prime. And your window is what? Two years? One year? I just... With where the Jets are in the rebuild, with where the roster's at, if they were a win-now team, by all means. I mean, if I'm the Colts, give me Deshaun Watson, right? Yeah. Um, but I, I just I, I just seen it being... If Deshaun Watson thinks Houston is wasting his career, if Andre Johnson thinks Houston is wasting Watson's career, well, they, they got news coming to them if, if you know Watson goes in place for Woody Johnson in New York because that will truly be a waste of his career. I'll, I'll tell you this. I, I like Watson. Watson's entertaining to watch. Um, I know you like him more than I do, but I do like him. But we're also talking about a guy who has an injury history and a reasonable but not huge portion of his game comes from his legs and just ask cam newton how useful that gets as you're older so you know i I do think it's cool we're talking about lawrence and watson though uh the last two quarterbacks to win a national title for clemson yeah so it's it's gonna be real interesting to see how this goes um speaking of quarterbacks the pittsburgh steelers have signed dwayne haskins to a contract, which I guess we need to talk about. Uh, Dwayne Haskins tweets, hashtag, here we go. Three in the Bible stands for restoration and eternal life. Let's work. Uh-huh. And so as so we that, look. So that means he's choosing jersey number three? I, he is going to be wearing number three, it looks like. Okay, I see. I see. And... Uh, and, and after, of course, after being released, he tweeted, I take full responsibility for not meeting the standards of an NFL quarterback and will become a better man and player because of this experience. Uh, okay. So. This, I don't think it's the worst signing in the world, man. I really don't. I mean, it's not the worst signing in the world, but I'll tell you what, this team's got enough problems with distractions already. Yeah, um, there's that. So that, but also too, like he surely can't be dumb enough to not realize that. Oh, don't hey, don't underestimate the ability of people to be dumb. No, I know, but Josh Josh Gordon's still not playing football. <laughs> you know, nah, I get it, but that's a whole different story. Don't even get me started on that one. Yeah. Um. I I mean, surely Haskins has to know that if he comes in and even makes the slightest peep, he's gone so quick, he'll make your head spin. I sure hope so. And if he doesn't know that, I would hope that a guy like uh, Tomlin would have made it abundantly clear to him. Look, the reason I like it is because I apply this to all recent first-round quarterbacks. If you can get one for pennies on the dollar off the street and you're not expecting him to start, I think you're laughing. Now, do I think Haskins, looking back, should have been a first-round pick? No, I don't. But still, man, there were some scouts that thought he should have been. And really, that's good enough for me if we're going to talk backup quarterback. I think he's an upgrade on Mason Rudolph. He's a huge upgrade on Mason Rudolph, and he's 23 years old. Yep. So, So. yeah, develop him. We all know Ben's not going to be there much longer. Worst-case scenario, you have a bridge. Worst-case scenario, you have a starter. Um. 
worth noting, Dwayne Haskins is represented by Brian Levy, who is also Mike Tomlin's agent. So, seems seems interesting to me. Yeah, nothing going on there. Yeah. Um, what else are we missing around the NFL today? Plenty of uh, former players getting coaching uh, positions. How about mm-hmm. uh, Dave Ragone? Louisville's own Dave Ragone going from Chicago Bears quarterbacks coach to now getting the Atlanta Falcons OC gig. Um, when I first started watching the sport, Dave Ragone was a quarterback in NFL Europe, then known as NFL Europe, then to become NFL Europa before, of course, uh, folding and going away forever. Uh, so shout out to Dave Ragone for that one. Um, former Cowboys and uh, I believe Kim Kardashian, ex-boyfriend, Miles Austin, now the Jets wideouts coach. Uh, so as soon as I saw that, my first thought was, oh, geez, there's a name from my past. Did not expect that to come. Did not expect to be reading Miles Austin's name ever again. Shout out to him for remaining relevant. Um, Ike Hilliard, the current Steelers wideouts coach, getting an interview to be the Lions OC uh, coach. Uh, I like that a lot. Would love to see him get that gig. And uh, former Falcons linebacker, and I believe he played for Denver too, Jeff Albrecht, getting the Jets defensive coordinator position. So it sounds like he's going to be calling the defensive plays and not Salah himself. Interesting. UFC 257 comes roaring into our living rooms on Saturday night at a normal time. Unlike this weird UFC on Wednesday that I didn't even end up watching because mm-hmm. I didn't know what was yeah. happening. Well, everybody was at work, right? Everybody in this yeah. time zone was at work or they should have been at work. Um, yeah. I mean, fuck fight Island, fuck Abu Dhabi. And I say that because of their time zone. Um, you know, fuck any UFC card that doesn't start on Vegas time and happen in our Saturday night time zone. I, you know, I, it's selfish of me, but at the same time, I'm a fan and I feel like I have a right to say that. Yeah. Fair. And I, and you know, to do a Mia culpa, I, I got that main event wrong. I thought Neil Magny was going to have a pretty easy night out against Mike uh, Chiesa. And I was wrong about that. Chiesa somehow got the win and to further his, displeasure in the eyes of Dana White it was of course by decision because I you know that's if you want to watch a born fight watch a Mike Chiesa fight this week we've got Poirier taking on McGregor in the main event I think McGregor is a lock here what are you thinking yep I do too yep I think uh, McGregor seems serious there was a quote earlier saying he wants to fight seven times in the next 18 months yeah I saw that too um, so and he one thing that's not being talked about is it was a year ago yesterday that he knocked out Cowboy Cerrone in, I think, like five seconds with a shoulder strike. Mm. The narrative going into that fight was that Connor wanted to fight three times in 2020. Of course, that ended up being the only time he fought. Um, so hopefully this time around, Dana, Sean Shelby, McMaynard and all the uh, matchmakers will be serious and actually get Connor in the ring three to four times in 2021. But yeah, I think uh, pretty, I, I think he takes care of Poirier. I don't think it's going to be as quick of a fight as it was when they first fought. I'm not sure Connor knocks him out again, like he did the first time they fought. 
I think everyone's certain that this is a different, more advanced Dustin Poirier than it was the first time around. So I, I expect it to be a closer fight, but I still think Connor uh, has, a, you know, enough of an easy night to, uh, to get the W. And going forward is the real interest point, right? Um, Chandler and Hooker still have some business to take care of in the next coming weeks. Gaethje still needs a dance partner. There's uh, speculation it's going to be Charles Oliveira. But with a win here by Connor, we very well could get word that Habib wants Connor and wants the rematch. Because it sounds like what Habib told Dana last week when they met was that he's not retiring, but he's not coming back. He's going to sit at home, watch these next couple fights within the division and see if anyone stands out for him. Yeah. And, I think he tweeted something recently, like "Don't pressure me or push me" or, or something like that. Fuck him. I, I <laughs> like I, I I feel bad because of his dad and the whole COVID thing, but fuck him, man. I mean, like, he went what thirty and 29 and zero, like twenty nine and zero. That's I, a good I think, career. If he wants to quit, is, that's fair. It is. It is. It is a sport where you where you accumulate damage. Quality of life is a thing. I certainly can't tell anybody to not you know like do whatever you got to do. And a quick correction here. I'm actually seeing that the co-main event on this card is Dan Hooker Chandler. So screw sorting out that business in the weeks to come. We're going to get an answer Saturday night. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't realize that was the co-main event. Uh, That's awesome. So Habib's going to have an answer here. I think, I mean, I'm not buying the Michael Chandler hype. I I think maybe it's Ben Askren all over again. I expect Dan Hooker to get the better of that fight. Um, let me go backwards for a second. Yep. Holloway at Qatar versus Qatar. Mm. Um, uh, I, I think everything we said about that fight was yeah. correct. Like Holloway beat the living tar out of the guy. Should that fight have been stopped? Oh my, yeah. I, I thought it should have been st- stopped a full round before it was. Um, Hold on. L- let me rephrase. Should that fight have been stopped by the ref? That's a, that's a good question. Cause I thought, uh, his corner should have thrown in the towel. He wasn't taking, like he was taking carnage. He was taking a lot of damage, but he wasn't taking enough shots in like they were spread out. Right. It wasn't like, it wasn't enough in one spurt. It wasn't acute enough to use a medical term Yep, for the ref to step in and stop it. But it was one of those accumulation fights where it was just like, man, like, and he uh, was still defending himself, just not great. And he would no, throw punches exactly. back, yeah. but they didn't yeah. seem to hurt Holloway at all. It gets to a point where, and uh, Cater even said this to Dana White. I think it was the first thing he said to him before immediately being taken to the hospital. Um, Dana said, man, you're, you know, you're one tough son of a bitch. And, and Cater quickly said, yeah, but I don't want to be known for that. Yeah, and, that's good. and and I think that's a really good point. Um, yeah. it, it gets to a point where, when you're that tough, it's actually a detriment in this sport because it just means you're going to be left in a match that you have no chance at winning, and you're just taking carnage, mileage, damage. Yeah, shots. I um, I, I I said to a friend of mine, whoever Qatar faces next, I'm betting against him like whatever the odds are. Cause that's, that's a lot. You don't just come back from that. Um, I think that beating he took is going to stick with him there. They say every fight you have in the UFC, you leave a piece of you inside the octagon. 
It's one of the sports where doing it more, you get worse at it because of the toll it takes on your body. You don't get better at it. You don't get faster as, as a result. And honestly, I think, I think uh, Cater took double all that. You know, I think if you leave one piece yourself, I think he left two pieces of himself. It was yeah. that bad. It was a bloodbath. It should have been stopped, I thought, around before it actually was by his corner. Dana agreed with me. Um, I don't think Herb should have stopped it. I don't no, think there was it, any it, point exactly. where the ref should have stopped exactly. it. No, there was But his team should have said, like, yeah. all right, listen, you, we, we, yeah. we've seen three 10-8s in exactly. the exactly. fourth round where you just get pummeled. Exactly. It's all time hope, to move on. All, once all hope of winning had been exhausted, there's no more to prove. And he connected. Your paychecks in the mail. What's the point? Yeah, no, he was yeah. still landing shots. He was, like, he was connected, and it just didn't hurt Holloway at all. No, no, and that's the other thing, too, is Holloway. Holloway's got to be careful, man, because when he was doing his, you know, little run of the mouth where he was, you know, looking at DC and Dan Hardy yelling, I'm the best boxer in the UFC, like completely staring at them while Cater was hitting him in the jaw. That's not going to fly. We all saw what happened with Anderson Silva back in the day when he did that against Chris Weidman. That's not going to fly for too long. In fact, I thought one of those shots had actually stunned Max. And I was like, oh, whoa, he just caught him. It turns out I was wrong about that. But Max may not want to make a habit of that. Yeah, I agree. Because we just got, do- got done talking about uh, accumulated mileage, damage, carnage. That's shots that Max just doesn't need to take. Because even though he is still only 27, everybody who follows this sport knows it's a very old 27. It's a high mileage 27 with the amount of scraps he's been in. And just to finish up on Max, I know people are sick and tired of hearing it. And every time I tweet Volkanovsky, Alexander Volkanovsky is one of the very rare verified accounts that I've actually felt the need to reach out and tweet at. And I've done it twice now to let him know that I think he needs to fight Max a third time. Um, yeah, people don't want to hear it, but that trilogy, although I said it before even Max went out and, and performed that way, but I think that trilogy has to happen now. Of course, Volkanovski facing Ortega in the weeks to come, but after what we saw Max do to Ortega, I mean, if you thought the the Cater beating was bad, Max beat up Ortega so bad he had to go away for a year. Um, so I, I don't think Volkanovski is going to have too much of a hard time with Brian Ortega after what Max did to him. All right, we, I said I was going to do it. It's it, it's in the words of uh, Bruce Buffer. It's time. Philip Rivers announced his retirement this year mm-hmm. or this week. Yes, sir. Uh, you know some folks who have made some Philip Rivers Hall of Fame. Yeah, I'm not going to name any names. No, no, of course. Yeah, I'm not going to name any names, but I'm going to give such an accurate description that if anybody knew who I was talking about, they would know exactly what I'm talking about. No, I'm just kidding. Um, there's a guy in my IDP league who's a diehard Chargers fan, and him and a, another non-Chargers fan from this league have made a fra- friendly wager of a certain amount of money that I won't get into. Um, the Chargers fans saying that Rivers gets in, the non-Chargers fans saying that Rivers does not get in. I, f- 
for anybody who's listened to the show, uh, when we've talked Philip Rivers, I am firmly of the belief that he's going to get in. Don't confuse that with saying, I think he deserves to get in. Those are two different things. I think he definitely gets in. I think as long as you have guys like Dan Fouts, not to use another Chargers example, but a guy who, like Rivers, never played in a Super Bowl, never won a Super Bowl, but yet is in the Hall of Fame. At the end of the day, Philip Rivers is number five in several very important passing metrics, and that alone will be enough to get him in. It's a different league. It's a different sport. But, hey, if we're not going to go by the numbers, what are the point in even keeping stats anymore? Yeah, it's it's interesting that, like, it's going to be real. Uh, let me Sorry, let me just put it this way. Yeah, I don't think it's going to be first ballot. I think he, he's no, going to have to wait a couple of years. It's, I, and and I, I think it's going to be similar, but it, obviously very different in a lot of ways, to the baseball thing with Barry Bonds and Roger Clemens and those folks right now, yeah. in that there is going to be a pool of people that say, look at his stats, he's amazing, he has to be in, I don't care about the other stuff, and then there's going to be the other pool in baseball, they'll point to steroids, in football they'll point to how the game has changed and the evolution of the game um, and, and, and talk about that. You know, McAfee was saying on his show earlier today that like, hey, guys who played football say this guy can ball, and I count that a lot more than some of these Hall of Fame guys, and that's fair. Like, hey, guys, guys who play football are, are, are entitled to their mm-hmm. things, there is a question of like how much does winning count for you? And it's interesting because the Eli argument is like he won two Super Bowls and did basically nothing else, right? And um, Phil Rivers that, did a bunch of stuff, but didn't win the Super Bowls. Yeah. It's well, and, but but the Phillip Rivers one isn't just didn't win the Super Bowls. I like did he appear in a conference championship game? I don't I don't think he made it out of the divisional round. I think the farthest he got was a road loss to the Patriots back when they had Ladanian Tomlinson. Yeah. So, and, and I, I'm not here to slag Phillip rivers. I actually really, really hope rivers gets the Monday night football job. I think he'd be entertaining as hell and he wouldn't even have to try hard because he's already like FEC approved. <laughs> um, this, yeah. For those of you that don't know, this is a man who does not swear. Like there's just, yeah. he, doesn't do it. Yeah, he says uh, the word shoot about every two sentences. Oh, shoot. Yeah. yeah. Oh, um, shoot. But but also smack talks. Like he will he will smack talk relentlessly without swearing. Mm. Uh so I think he could be really entertaining in that booth and is, and frankly I think he's got some good knowledge too. You don't get to that level of quarterback without having good knowledge. He could wear that uh what do they call that? That Texas bow tie where it's just the two ropes hanging. That's right. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Um, I just don't, I personally don't think he belongs in the hall of fame, but I think this, he is going to be the, um, uh, he's, he's going to be the pinhole in the dam, right? Cause if he gets in, there's going to be a whole slew of guys we start letting in and it's, mm. it's going to be real interesting, um, mm. to see how that goes. I agree with that. And I also agree that he probably doesn't deserve to be in, but I think that's, two different things. I think he's going to get in. Yeah. And again, I, I don't think he necessarily deserves to get in, but I do feel he's going to get in. Yeah. I'll tell you, I like the five year rule a lot because it forces us. It will, we will have a different 
perspective on this five years from now. We might still come to the same conclusions, right? We might still end up with the same opinions one way or the other, but we're going to have a more clear perspective on, on how that went. And, and I think that's true of a lot of guys that are going in this year, right? Like Peyton's going to go in this year and we're like, Oh man, he was fucking great. We've, we've had five years without Peyton and it really just clarifies how great Peyton Manning was as a quarterback. Um, yeah. Anything you want to touch on before we say goodbye before this, the conference championship week oh, in the national football league. Still a lot to get to. Uh, I wanted to get your take on two of our white whales, but for bad reasons, not good reasons, uh, getting interviews for the Seahawks OC gig this week oh, in Adam Gase and Hugh Jackson. Um, and just to follow note on the Adam Gase one, how awkward would that be having for Jamal Adams Go back and to Jamal for Adam Adams. Gase? Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, surely like that can't happen. I'm surprised they even interviewed him, but what a mess Hugh Jackson would be. Yeah. I I'm surprised to see It's interesting though, right? Like Hugh's actually been a pretty good offensive coordinator wherever he's gone. Yep. It's part of the reason he's got a couple head coaching opportunities is because he right. does a good job with what he gets. Right. I'll say this, and I, I, you know, I don't know if I've said this to you before or not. Like the thing that Seattle needs to figure out is how to quit being a bunch of fucking pussies and stick mm. to throwing the ball. It's like Russ throws a couple picks, and it's all of a sudden they're like, "All right, never mind, go back to running the ball forty-five times." Um, well, the other thing too is, like I said, um, if they're if they're going to get back to running the ball, they got to upgrade a running back. I mean, Chris Carson wasn't the same player this year. Carlos Hyde couldn't stay on the field. Just connecting the dots, uh, Mark Ingram, of course, uh, either released yesterday or was informed of his release uh, by Baltimore. It's all but official. Um, yeah, I'd I mean, like he was see- a he was a healthy scratch the last few. Yeah, games he was. There. He was. He was. I'd like to see him land in Seattle with Pete Carroll. Now, if it's one thing I know about Pete Carroll and his tenure with the Seahawks, every came ever since he came over from USC. If you na- if you made a name in college. It doesn't That's matter true. what you did in the pros. Pete will bring you in and have and a it look. Worked, and it worked out. Like Marshawn yeah. Lynch, uh, Mike, Willis Big McGahey. Mike Williams. Yeah, yeah, Big Mike Williams. Absolutely. Long list of guys. Um, and he's doing it now with a couple of guys. Uh, but yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if Mark Ingram landed in Seattle. I think that would be a good fit for both parties. Because I think Ingram still has a bit more in the tank. A bit more than Baltimore was willing to admit. thing about Baltimore, they had two guys in front of them who were beasts and had so much left so much more in yeah. the tank. Right. Yeah. And when he was injured earlier in the year and that gave Dobbins yeah, a big audition. opportunity, yeah. he wasn't, he wasn't getting back in after Dobbins showed what he could do. And just because I brought him up without naming him, Gus, the other bus Edwards, I know I do just dis- disrespect the original bus Bettis on the show. when I call him Gus, the bus, uh, Gusta Bus Edwards is a restricted free agent, and any team who is in need of a running back, <clears throat> Seattle, especially a big bruising back with very agile feet, I think a team should go out and make an offer to this guy, maybe even poison pill it so the Ravens can't match it. I can think Do- of a team in the division that could use a running back. Exactly, right? I, I just think... For him, and now with restricted free agents, it's it's almost very rare that they even switch teams, let alone receive an offer. But I don't know what draft pick tender Baltimore is going to put on him. I don't know when that needs to be announced. I don't know when the deadline is for that. But I do know that teams could do a lot worse 
at running back than Gus Edwards. And I, I think a team should take the plunge. I'm not saying, you know, pay the house for him, but I'd like to see him get an offer sheet as a restricted free agent. I really would. Um, and, I, just... and on the Hugh Jackson front, I do see that the Steelers interviewed him as well for their OC job. Yeah, I mean, the Steelers got to get somebody. Just fucking anybody who's not Finkner. I'll, I'll tell you, just on the Seattle front, like I really do think we need to take a look at the way like I think loyalty is part of the problem there, right? And and I I am increasingly a proponent of this as time goes on. Like if you have a running back that's not getting the job done, find another guy, any yep. other guy. Next man up. If you Mike, got a, Mike Shanahan, Denver style. Give me any dude who isn't going to fumble the ball and get them into the football game. Because I'm not saying running backs are all interchangeable you're not going to find a lot of McCaffrey's out there you're not going to find a lot of Henry's out there but if you don't have one of those kind of guys they're interchangeable just just get the next guy off the trash heap and run them out there don't take the old guys don't take guys who have already been chewed up and spit out somewhere else give me fresh guys out of college who are hungry undrafted free agents I don't fucking care um and, and so when Carson wasn't producing out there, they needed to be like, all right, well, we're done with this. Here's something. Let's try something else. But I go back to my original point. They, ha- and I'm a run the ball guy, but like horses for courses, you got Russell Wilson, DK Metcalf, you got Tyler Lockett out mm-hmm. there. Like, David Moore. I mean, quietly one of the better third receivers in the league. So you, you got players, you have an air raid offense available to you if you keep it open. And, and Russ had like a three interception game. And ever since then, they just shut it down and it's like, no, let Russ cook. Guy was like the leading MVP candidate at the time too. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, What else you got? Just one final note. Uh, I mean, I got tons if we got time, but I assume this is all we have time for. Uh, We got like 10 minutes. Former 49ers head coach and Bears Hall of Fame linebacker Mike Singletary interviewed for the Bears defensive coordinator job yesterday. Now, that's one I'd like to see come to fruition. I just think it would be a great story. I think it's a a better league, a more interesting league when Mike's a part of it. Um, Say what you want about his tenure with the 49ers. I thought he was a leader of men. No, no. So I, this was going to be the first thing I asked you here. I am uh, quite ignorant of what happened there because from an outsider's perspective, it looked like he was a leader of men and was doing a good job and then they fired him. So yeah. like, what well, happened? I mean, didn't get the on-field results, right? I mean, that's a... He had some good work, he did. but... He did, he did, but... Um... Thinking back to who the quarterback was then, I don't know if that those were the Tim Rattay years or, uh, yeah, probably, I'd have to go probably back and, probably just classic quarterback stuff. Well, yeah, I yeah, I mean it was I I think it was the well I think Alex Smith was still there, but I mean they just didn't have much going. You know they had Frank Gore, but really not much else. Um, yeah, no, I, I you know. At the end of the day, the results weren't there when it comes to playoff appearances for the 49ers. And I I think they immediately went to Harbaugh after Singletary, if my memory serves correct. Uh, Harbaugh, who re-signed with Michigan for half the money with a very cheap out. Yeah, Yeah, I kind of got that one one wrong and I kind of got it right. Yeah, Yeah, that's Um, a good way of putting it. Because I I thought he was done in Michigan for sure. 
uh, with his inability to beat Ohio State ever. Well, I think they gave him a you should look for another job contract. <laughs> maybe, maybe. Um, maybe he didn't like what NFL jobs were available, but I'm still adamant that he, in his mind, has unfinished business mm-hmm. with the aforementioned, with the way it played out with the aforementioned 49ers. Uh, I think he thinks he got a bad gig. I think with the success he had there that he should have, you know, I forget. I I think it was a Peterson situation where he ended up just resigning, wasn't it? I don't think he was formally fired, was he? No, anyway. he he decided to move on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Guy with more with options, uh, just like Peterson. But back to Singletary. If my memory serves correct, he wasn't brought in as a head coach. He was the DC, and I think Mike Nolan uh, was fired, and then Singletary was the interim, and then had the interim tag removed because he he performed so well as the interim. Right. Uh, don't quote me on that, but that's what I how I remember happening. Long story short, I think Singletary would be great as a DC for the bears, if not for the fact that he's a bears legend. Right. And you know, if they could ever get fans allowed in, in the building again, if anything, he would sell tickets. I think people want to come watch Mike Singletary on the sideline for the bears. Yeah. I I mean, I, I don't think anybody's going to have any trouble selling tickets when we can finally go do things again, especially not with the NFL. You're right. Yeah. Um, and I did mention Chuck Pagano when we were talking about that Pat McAfee yeah, story, of course. Yeah, Chuck Pagano decided to retire, just like Gary Kubiak uh, called it quits uh, as well today. So uh, Singletary would be replacing Pagano for the Bears' defense. I hope Pagano wasn't shoved out because I thought he did a fair job with that defense. Um, My reading of the tea leaves was that he was. I think he yeah. was given the option of being either fired, not have his contract renewed, which is basically the same thing or happy trails retirement. I wouldn't be surprised if he's back in the league in like two years. Yeah. I don't know. He might, he might just be done it it, because it, it's got to wear on you just not winning. You know what I mean? Cancer survivor. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it, it seems like a lot. Uh, All right. What else you got here? Uh, just reach into my bag of tricks here. Um, a couple NHL takes. I see that uh, Pierre Luc Dubois was benched after the first period tonight for Columbus. Uh, this is a message to John Tortorella. Um, Dubois is your best player. He's your best player by far. I don't know why you're treating him like some fourth line goon. Oh, I don't that's know. Some torts, that's some real torts. Yeah. Shit, like, too. I don't know what you're trying to get out of this kid. Now I get that once Artemi Panarin signed in New York, Dubois numbers dipped a bit. That's going to happen to anybody who played on Panarin's line the year before Panarin draws that much defensive heat that of course there's going to be a drop off. Dubois is still their best player. Again, I don't know why Tortorella is dogging him like some kind of fourth-line underachiever goon, but he is, and it's to the point where last week Dubois had to come out and basically demand a trade, and now, again, we get word that he's been benched after the first period. And in the sake of transparency, I'm in 
three fancy hockey leagues and I have him in all three. So <laughs> obviously I'm a bit sour on that note. I, I could have guessed that. <laughs> yeah, I'm a bit sour on that note, but just dollars and cents. It doesn't make any sense. He's your best player. Yeah. Like, what the hell are you doing, man? Like, are you trying to lose? Are you trying to get fired? What the fuck's going on there? And I want to finish up my NHL takes uh, with two quick hits here. Uh, first, I'm going to make a predictor who's going to win the Calder. I think it's going to be the rookie Russian from the Minnesota Wild, Kirill Kaprizov. Uh, I think he's going to run away with this thing. I really do. Uh, if the start of the season's any uh, hint, the guy is playing lights out. Great career on the way for him in Minnesota. And I want to finish it up with the Winnipeg Jets. Um, I called for Paul Maurice's job uh, around the All-Star break last year. And I, I was starting to question out loud on the show what it was going to take um, in Winnipeg. And now they lost to Toronto the other night. I'm not sure if they played tonight or what was the result of that game, but there's got to be some pressure in Winnipeg to win this year. Um, I would think that if, if Maurice doesn't get that team, at least of the playoffs, that he's going to be having to update his resume because something's got to give him Winnipeg, man. You look at that top six forwards. I mean, they've got everything. They've got all they need. I mean, I guess they could use an extra defenseman, but they've got a reigning Vesna winner playing goalie for them. They've got, I mean, their two power play units make any team envious. I just don't know why they're not dominating hockey games. I don't know if it's going to take a Patrick Liney trade. I don't know if it's going to be Ehlers out the door. I don't know what it's going to take, but something's going to happen in Winnipeg and it's going to happen soon because something's got to give, man. I think Maurice has gotten way too much slack. I don't think they've gotten the results they're looking for. And I mean, is this reckless by me? Do, am, am I coming out of nowhere about this? Am I the only one that thinks this? I don't hear enough about it. Maybe it's because of the small market, but I don't know. I, I mean, if I was living in Winnipeg right now, I'd be outraged. Again, it's the start of the season. I, I get that this sounds like an overreaction, but I'm really taking a two, three-year look at this thing right now. Yeah, it's... It- it's hard small sample size i think we should talk about it again in a week and yep. we'll definitely have time because it will be in the bye week yep. i'm assuming there's a bye week still yeah yeah i'm not i'm not saying winnipeg's season is lost by any means but all i'm saying is like this team is built to win now and i can't see very many very many excuses why they aren't going to win this year so if if they're not in the playoffs i really think someone has to answer for it and if it's not paul maurice my question is who it's, it's almost do, certainly Paul Maurice. Yeah, I mean, if the buck does not stop there, where does it stop? I think it's got to stop there. Uh, here's another quick hit. Joe Musgrove to the Padres. That is one that's going to fly under the radar for some people. But don't sleep on Joe Musgrove, man. If he can get back to where he was with Houston, not with Pittsburgh last year, but with Houston, the Padres might have just hit gold. Because if he finally realizes his career potential in that rotation – behind the guys that they got there now, man, San Diego is really set up to do something special. Yeah. And on that note, thank God for the blue Jays picking up another Houston player, George Springer, who will bring us to the promised land, George Springer. And just talking about the Padres, they just picked up their former closer, former all-star Kirby Yates, who I still think maybe his best baseball might be ahead of him. 
you throw in the Tyler Chatwood ad, and I think it was a great week for the Blue Jays. I really do. I, I, I have no problem with that Springer contract whatsoever. I think he has another five, six, I won't say great years, but really good years left. And it's, what, a six-year deal? So I think they're going to get good value out of that. Uh, just before we go, we've got about two minutes left here. So I just want to do the tiniest Canadian politics thing. Uh, happy trails <laughs> to governor, former Governor General Julie Payette who is resigning after an investigation turned out that uh, the way they were running the organization was, quote, disturbing and worrisome. Um, Payette apologized for what she called tensions at Rideau Hall um, and indicated that we all experience things differently. So uh, get fucked. I am always happy for people who are widely known to be pieces of shit, losing their jobs. Uh, and this is no different. It is surprising. It took this long and should not have on that note. My name is Charles. He is Nick smart. Enjoy the football this weekend. We have three games left. Soak it in. Hopefully they will be good ones. And we will talk to you again next week.